everyone. Welcome to the Stars Holocast, the show where we talk about our favorite show and yours, the Gilmore Girls. Today, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 16, Star-Crossed Lovers and Other Strangers. That's right, Hollowheads. Let's hit Luke's for coffee. We're going to be talking about our favorite ships, best moments, and our weekly Lorelei's lesson. I'm Maureen Johnson. And I'm Dan Sinka. Maureen, what is that? Oh, God, it's another ghost. Are you kidding me? Ghost? We've stopped talking about the election. We talk about the Gilmore Girls now. Please spare us. Hit it with a chair. It's a ghost, Maureen. It's incorporeal. Plus, I I don't want to make it mad. I am ghost of the second debate. The one who has been foretold. I am the spirit of 1776. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, no, you are not. Because not only is that a stupid pun, it's the plot of a Hanna-Barbera cartoon from 1970 called The Funky Phantom. How do you know that? I know a lot of things. Are you sure that was a Hanna-Barbera cartoon? Maybe it was Filmation. They made a lot of crap cartoons in the 70s, too, you know. Don't you tell me my business, Ghost. Don't piss it off. This whole election is hard enough. The last thing we need is to have the spirit world mad at us, too. Um, Ghost? Good Ghost? What? What brings you here? You happen to be interrupting the taping of our Stars Holocast. You are not in Stars Hollow. You are in election season 2016. And you must continue the journey. Ghost, I can't take much more of this. Please, we just want it to stop. Can you make it stop? There is no stop. There are no shortcuts. This is how you must learn. Okay, but, but Ghost, nothing makes sense. That debate was the worst thing I have ever seen. What possible lesson was there in that? To be honest, I barely know what's happening anymore. I made a bet with the ghost of elections past that Mike Pence was going to drop off the ticket and now I'm out 300 demon dollars and I'm stuck haunting you two idiots. So I'm not exactly a happy incorporeal camper right now. Also, are you going to keep calling me Ghost? I'm sorry. Do, do you have a name? Yes, it's Lady Boo Boo. Oh, for fuck's sake, let's suck this thing into a vacuum and blow it out the airlock. Maureen! Be nice to Lady Boo Boo. That's better. Now, traditionally, the first debate would feature some ghosts of debates past. And this would be the debate with the ghost of debates present. But we switched it around this time. This time the past is doing the haunting. Yeah, I see what you did there. Aren't you quick? But this is where we are. You thought this was going to be an election about the present. A great debate about the future of this country or some highfalutin crap like that. But here we are. You are down here in the graveyards of history with all us ghouls. <laughs> That's it. Maureen, let go of Lady Boo Boo. No, no, 
I can't take anymore. We've had two debates this week. Ghost two. And that f***ing videotape leak. And half the Republican Party dropped their support for Trump. And that not apology apology video. And that was all in a weekend. I have had enough of it. No. If you kill a ghost, it comes back as two ghosts. Oh, no. <laughs> you bleed right into my clammy diaphanous hand. I am the ghost of two debates. Oh, oh, what have I done? Maybe it'll be fine. I mean, nothing can get worse than this week, right, Maureen? And this is... This week is definitely as bad as anything can possibly get, right? Oh, yeah. Says, Says ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Says Who, the podcast that isn't a podcast. It's a coping strategy. I'm Maureen Johnson. And I'm Dan Sinker. And here we are. Debate two is behind us. Maureen, I have been showering all morning trying to wash the stench of that thing off me. I have been soaking in a tub of bleach since the videotape on Friday. This week, Maureen. This week. Hey, you know, on the plus side... The election is officially less than a month away. Yeah. Okay. That's it for this episode of Says Who. We won't be back next week because we're not completely f***ing crazy. Wait, wait, you can't can't quit. Oh, yeah? Says Who. No, we already did that part, Maureen. The music birdie played and everything. No, it didn't. Maureen, Maureen, you can't just quit. Yes, I can. No, I, like... I know, in our second episode, I tried to quit. Remember, you talked me back? You told me there was pizza? Mm. Uh, and back then, not that many people were listening. But now we suddenly have an audience. And so we have responsibilities. And I know this sounds like a really terrible idea, but people are counting on us. All right. All right. All right, fine. I'll do it for the people out there. For you. You listening right now. If you want us here, then I'll stay. God, okay. All right, so I guess we have to run down how this week went. So first we had the vice presidential debate, which I stupidly watched because I have a stupid face. Yeah, I got the better end of the stick on that one. I was actually up with a screaming baby for almost the entire debate. How was it? Awful, Dan. It was awful. Mike Pence sat there and denied everything Trump ever said. He just sat there gaslighting everyone, Dan. And presumably, Trump noticed that Pence was throwing him under the bus, and maybe Trump sat up in Trump Tower that night and cut up the friendship bracelet that Mike Pence had made him with a pair of giant gold scissors. And the next thing I remember happening was the tape. God, that tape. That tape was horrible. For every reason... Everyone has already said it was reprehensible and terrible. But there were also so many horrible little weird details in it that I just can't shake now. Like, I did not want to know that Donald Trump equates furniture shopping with foreplay. 
I had to go to Ikea this weekend, Maureen, and suddenly I was looking at everyone like, why are you here? And I don't think I can ever buy Tic Tacs again. Maybe Tic Tacs can sponsor us. Maureen, I think Tic Tacs is out of politics. I want a sponsor. I want to read a commercial. Maureen, who would sponsor us? Well... Podcasts are usually sponsored by things like meals in a box or mattresses in a box or audiobooks or those weird underwear subscription services where people pick out your clothes for you. And I think we could sell any of those things. Maureen, we're here to provide a coping mechanism for people during the election. We are not here to read commercials. Nah, let me try it. Try it. I think we should listen to this. Hello. Do you like putting food in your face? Do you like boxes? What if there was food in a box that you could make at home, like normal food, but it came in a box? What if we told you what to make? Our box this week features recipes, such as pizza, covered in angry fistfuls of Dorito dust, fruit loop soup, maybe it's chicken, salmon and gravy. Maureen, stop. Maureen, you're ruining food. And food is all I have left. Let's just get to our guest. Maybe he can help us out. Maureen, I feel like I'm still nursing a hangover from watching the debate last night. Like, I know I saw some shit go down, but I can't even start to process what it was or where we go from here. Oh, I feel like I was in a car crash. Or like I was beaten with oars and then forced to watch the debate. I can barely process my thoughts, which is why I'm super glad that we line up a guest every week to actually help us understand what the hell is happening. I am not sure if I've ever been more thankful for that than this week, which has been nearly impossible to believe actually lasted just seven days. To talk about this never-ending week and especially to help us understand what happened in the second presidential debate, we are joined by Jamel Bowie. Jamel is chief political correspondent at Slate and a political contributor to CBS News. He joins us fresh off a plane from the debate in St. Louis. Jamel, please, what the hell did we watch last night? What the hell was that? Can you tell (laughs) us what that was? Um, Sure. First of all, thank you for having me uh, for the podcast. Um, Second, I will say, you know, I was there. I watched the debate. Uh, in person, sort of person, because we're all in a press filing center. Um, I would say that everyone there was shell-shocked at it all. Um, I think the best we could say is that we watched, um, on one hand, a pretty typical presidential candidate give a pretty typical debate performance, and on the other, a very large and angry man-child um, uh, raging against the fact that he is losing uh, and throwing literally every single bit of innuendo and whatever uh, out there in, in hopes of damaging his opponent. It was very, very exhausting to watch. Can I just ask you to walk through your evening? Because you guys were down there when you got another surprise. You were told that a press conference had just happened. That's right. So about an hour, not even, 30 or 45 minutes before the debate, uh, I started noticed everyone walking around watching Facebook Live on their phones. And so I asked, what are people watching? And Trump had uh, convened a Facebook Live broadcast press conference featuring three women who have uh, accused Bill Clinton of uh, unwanted sexual advances or sexual assault. 
and that he was basically bringing their stories to the fore as kind of a preview to the debate. Of course, uh, not long into the press conference, someone asked Trump about his, um, uh, you know, contact with women, and they they cut the feed and they <laughs> they stopped. Um, but yeah, it was very strange. I mean. After the debate, a story came down, the Washington Post reported it, that the Trump campaign wanted to bring the women uh, into Juanita Broderick, Paula Jones, um, the other uh, woman whose name I don't recall, wanted to bring them into the family box to make Clinton shake their hands. I mean, they were really leaning hard on this in a way that is, you know, when you step back and look at the larger idea here that somehow Hillary Clinton is responsible for the fact that her husband has been a scumbag, um, it was uh, it was really ugly and gross. I mean, so uh, not not to dwell in history, but I was thinking last night about how George H.W. Bush, apparent. Uh, uh, basically lost the election when he checked his watch during a debate, right? And how are we now looking at this debate and even able to not just say, like, this is done, you know? I mean, we have moved the bar so low that it you can't even see it anymore. Right. Well, I think, I think that's sort of what has happened. I mean... I think in the immediate aftermath of the debate, there were some rumblings that, you know, Trump had, because he hadn't uh, collapsed into incoherence, it was actually, as I said, a little interesting because the first debate, he started off strong, very aggressive, and petered out, basically lost energy. This time, he started off very listless, uh, eventually became more and more menacing and aggressive, and finished very aggressive, and I think the fact that he finished with energy led some observers to say that he did better or, or won in any sense. But it immediately uh, after people started voicing the opinion, there was pushback from other observers and journalists that were basically, that was basically along the lines of, you know, Trump lied constantly through the debate. He was incoherent. He was rude. And yeah, at times again, like actively menacing, like when he was standing behind Clinton um, and sort of just like staring at her, which was very unsettling. And uh, and he said things like, you know, disavowing his previous statements, um, essentially uh, praising uh, Vladimir Putin's foreign policy and uh, threatening to jail his opponent that basically are disqualifying. And I think the, all the all these all the snap polls of the debate show uh, that Clinton won voters said that Clinton won. I mean, these are the scientific random sampling polls. And uh, the first bit of national polling coming out of the past week that covers the time uh, that includes the the release of the tape, the now infamous tape, shows Trump behind by double digits in both two-way and four-way races. So, I I mean, I really do think that for all intents and purposes, this is over. Um, I've been told that the private polling in both campaigns shows that Trump has just completely collapsed with basically every uh, demographic group he needs. Um, so I think I do think that we're we're kind of at this point and it's gra- it's beginning to filter into the political conversation that Trump is is done. 
I feel like we're watching the end of a superhero movie where the villain is cornered and will do something drastic like threaten to blow up the world. It has that kind of building, scary energy to it. That's what it feels like to someone watching from the outside. I was wondering what it felt like to be in the press area at the debate. Yeah, I think I think we were all I think the best way to describe it is we were all sort of baffled by what we witnessed um, more more so because, of course, there's the spin room and you have all the oh you know largely. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. Um, you have all the Trump surrogates sort of praising and lauding their uh, their guy. And so you're sort of like, you know, I just, you know, we all just witnessed something really in a lot of ways quite despicable. And then you have like, you know, Nigel Farage from the UK and they're uh, riding hard for Trump. It was very strange and surreal. And I don't think, I mean, I frankly don't think it helped the campaign at all because there was, you know, what the, what the surrogates were telling us and what we saw were such, were in such conflict that um that it kind of just makes you angrier about it all like you're gonna i think be more aggressive as a reporter when you're so obviously being spun yeah i'm curious one of the things to me that is really just staggering about this election is how time no longer makes sense you know like i mean i i started listing out all the things that have gone down from the tape to, you know, suddenly all of these folks from the Republican Party announcing that they are unendorsing and uh, and then the debate itself. And I realized I was just describing from Friday evening, you know, and <laughs> I'm I'm curious with with all of this. How does this week rate? In a, I didn't see this coming. I mean, this collapse doesn't feel totally surprising, yet also doesn't feel like it could be predicted. I'm curious to you, as someone that watches it professionally, you know, what, how did you, did you see it coming? So I've always thought, and I said this a lot during the primaries, um, that there's always, I've always thought there is a risk of complete collapse with Trump. And that's just because, it's been clear to me that during the republic it was it was clear to me rather during the republican primaries that so much of the material available to use against trump was just left on the table i mean that's you know if any if if i have a question for anyone this year sort of all the republican opposition researchers like what were they doing um from june 2015 to july 2016 um, but it was, it's, it's always been clear to me that there's more of this stuff. And the question was always how bad was it and would the public take notice? Um, and so I'm not going to say that, like, I, I, you know, I was like I ever predicted that in October before the election, things would just fall apart. But I've always felt that the odds of it falling apart were actually pretty decent. I think the speed at which it's happened is a bit surprising to me. Like, I did not expect basically the avalanche of Republican um defections to happen uh you know just like with the snap of the fingers um but that's sort of you know given given that i just i figured something was gonna drop whether it was a hot mic moment whether it was some financial information just like something about trump's background um given that i think i've always put those on the table the fact that this is happening doesn't shock me um, it's more just, you know, like you kind of said, the 
the uh, the speed at which it's happening, and you know this the the sense that I'm not sure that we've hit the bottom yet. You know, there's still more stuff out there. Um, there are already rumors and, and 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 sort of words that there are other tapes showing even more reprehensible things from Trump, um, uh, from The Apprentice. Uh, you know, really in this election, we've barely begun to even litigate the fact that. Trump, as a business person, routinely basically stole money from uh, uh, from craftsmen and small distributors, and it almost makes you wonder if he chose those uh, smaller businesses precisely because he could bully them into not paying them what their what their due is. I mean, there's this whole realm of information about Trump that we we really haven't touched on that much um, relative to some of the other aspects of his campaign and of his. Uh, public life. I assume that both Mike Pence and Kellyanne Conway have bags that contain cash, wigs, <laughs> fake passports, <laughs> and enough rope to get them from the window of Trump Tower down to the sidewalk. Who do you think escapes first? Uh, I think, I mean, I think, I think Pence is ride or die at this point. Um, I mean, remember Pence was, was barely about to, was almost about to lose re-election to Indiana. I mean, he is not popular in Indiana. He is a, a widely reviled governor in the state, and so he has really nothing to lose. Um, you know, at the very least, if he makes it through this without too much damage, he could maybe make a bid for the for the Trump supporters in the twenty twenty primary. Um, I, Kellyanne Conway, I don't know because she also, I think, it, it depends on how much you think there's going to be recriminations for people who enabled Trump. Um, I, I tend to be skeptical that there will be because you think of that list of people and it goes everywhere from, you know, Pence and Conway to Ryan Priebus and Paul Ryan. It's just it's too many people are tainted as collaborators. Um, and so if that's the case, then I think Conway could probably escape relatively unscathed. She might have a hard time finding high profile jobs again, but she'll probably still work in the business. I mean, you mentioned all the people that are kind of touched by Trump. Uh, I mean, politically, um, <laughs> it, we're at that state where you have to actually m m clarify that. Um, and I'm curious about the defections that we saw this this weekend. You know, I mean, it, 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 it felt like it kind of started in Utah and then it began to spread. And and John McCain being kind of the highest profile person to to announce it, that he was no longer endorsing endorsing trump and and like you said it happened fast and why why the speed and why this you know i mean this is not a man to whom horrible things emanating from his mouth is a surprise right so why why this tape why these people why this speed so you know my my initial cynical take and i think it's still largely my take is that this is you know, this tape um, alien doesn't just alienate the people Trump has usually alienated, African-Americans, uh, Hispanic Americans, Muslims, et cetera, et cetera. But it begins to alienate, uh, you know, the remaining college educated whites that are with the GOP. It begins to even alienate some working class white women. It basically begins to undermine the the uh, the firewall that protects the Republican congressional majority. And if the Republicans lose that, then they're basically left where they are uh, after 2008 with sort of n no federal power and thus Democrats have, you know, 
um, a, str- a strong opportunity to advance their agenda even further. So I think I think it was sort of an all hands on deck moment when it was clear that this really would alienate, um, you know, and primarily primarily sort of white women within the Republican coalition. Which is, of course, not to say that the Republican Party is some sort of defender of uh, women's rights or, or women's <laughs> opportunities, but yeah. just that, just that, just that the party does rely on the votes of a substantial number of white women to win congressional and Senate elections, and Trump was threatening that. So that's my cynical view. I think that's basically like eighty percent right. The other twenty percent, I think, is basically random. You know, in the same way that. There were a lot of street vendors who got harassed by government cronies, but only one who set himself on fire in Tunisia is when it sparked the Arab Spring, right? Like, like sometimes you have you have a series of uh, you know events and occasions and occurrences um, that begin to undermine confidence, or if confidence never really existed, begin to lead people to question things, and it just so happens that one of them ends up being the spark that li- lights the whole. Uh, fire um, and gives begins to give people permission to abandon ship and i think there's some of that happening too uh i don't know how much that's why i'm giving it like 20 percent. but i think i think some of that is is a part of this more more strategic um political decision as well that this is the thing that started it because this was the thing that started it for me, there was that additional visual element of him rocking up in that Access Hollywood bus with that smirking Billy Bush. And then you actually got to see one of the women that he was talking about. And there's just really nothing dignified. I don't know. What am I talking about? Dignity. There is no dignity in this election. <laughs> no, it's just, I think you're right. I think I think the fact that there's this video um, really plays a part in it. That video can be looped and be played again and again. Uh, I, you know, I think, I think there's something about it just really confirming the worst about Donald Trump, that he really isn't just a boorish guy, but like he lives, he lives that, that kind of life. Um, it's sort of a, a last straw and, and, and the simple fact that like he's describing sexual assault. I mean, just straight up. Um, and that didn't, that doesn't escape people. We've asked everyone who's come on this question, how are you doing? How do you cope with doing this day in and day out? Uh, well, I have a lot of hobbies, and um, uh, I, I've, I've sort of, I've always strongly believed that one should have intellectual interests uh, that are detached from your work, and so I have mine. And uh, otherwise, it's just, I don't know, it's just sort of, it's sort of, I've, I, so part of it's I've always been confident that Trump would lose. Um, I'm, you know, I'm dispositionally not a very anxious person. And, uh, you know, early on, I was looked at the numbers and looked at the likely, you know, what we can, what we can predict based off the last couple elections. And I just figured that, you know, all things equal, I'd give, I'd give, probably give the election to Clinton against Trump. Um, and so that's that, that hunch has been vindicated. I think, uh, those are the big things. Um, sort of confidence about the final outcome and just that I got I got my hobbies. I'll say that you know if I have been frustrated about this year, it is almost less about Trump himself and more just about the kinds of uh sort of forces he's conjuring up, um, the resurgence of, of racism and anti Semitism in our politics. 
and and the extent to which I think there hasn't really been much press grappling with what it would mean to have Trump elected president, not in sort of a narrow sense of policies, but just sort of in the profound damage it would do to our social fabric and the real sense in, in which we would have empowered um, sort of a ferocious uh, uh borderline white nationalist backlash with the powers of the presidency. And and I, I, I am a little dismayed that we're approaching the end of all of this. And that really, not only has it really not been talked about all that much, but the overwhelming focus has been on um, uh, Trump supporters who deserve, you know, a full picture of their lives. But it's, it's almost come at the neglect of the millions of Americans who would be sort of the targets of violence under a Trump administration. So I'm just frustrated by that a lot, uh, uh, more and more recently. Um, and that I kind of just hash out on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that to, to me, it's, it's that, right? It's not this man, but the kind of the destruction that has has followed from the you know the the horribles that he has has in your words conjured up right and i feel like almost everyone we brought on in this in in the 5 weeks we've been we've been talking to people and most recently last week with with Farajdea is just this idea that we kind of have to rebuild after this you know and and how do, how do we come back from this yeah i don't i don't that's that's a, that's a question i don't really have an answer to and my my sort of thinking at the moment is that I don't know if you do. I mean, I the this is all sort of centering out of the Republican Party and the Republican Party for a variety of of reasons is kind of in a really bad place right now. And the the scary thing is that the kinds of defenses the party would need to prevent a Trump from happening again just don't exist. And in fact, the same dynamics might even might even we might come out of this even stronger. So conservative media might have even more influence. Um, the now that now that we know that you can activate a huge portion of the Republican base through straight up racist appeals, and there's not there's no force within the party to act as a break to that. Um, there's nothing really stopping another candidate from doing that. Uh, sort of all the elements are there for for this to to grow and become an even larger part. Of the Republican Party, so I don't really, I don't really know how one or how we, how we kind of pull back from the brink. I, I have a feeling that American politics may be entering a place where, not dissimilar to where Germany is, where you have this, you have, you have a single party that basically spans from the center left, even to the left edges of the center left, all the way to the center right, and completely occupies the political center, and that's the Democratic Party. Um, and then the opposition party is basically like, you know, right-wing ultra-nationalists, um, that may be very strong out in the province provinces, but can't really win national or federal power, which I don't think is very healthy. I think it's a bad outcome. Um, but I don't really see what happens within the Republican party to, to change that direction. And basically as long as there is shrinking, population of very 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 angry white people um they're gonna who are powerful in disproportion to their numbers 
um, there's going to be kind of the the Trump the Trump force in our politics and you know even if it eventually diminishes the time between now and then can be decades are you hopeful about the progressive movements that are flourishing hopefully there's some balance that we're growing good things as well yes i mean i do i definitely i definitely take hope and solace in the fact that i don't think i think there's a lot of energy in the progressive parts of american life um and that that may that may end up influencing legislation and how the country is actually governed um but i just the, the sort of the, the thing that makes me always wary is that you know if if this sort of broken and and sick republican party gains presidential power then like that's you know that's that's a huge problem right that's just sort of um not for not for reasons of conservatism but just for reasons of like straight on reactionary backlash um, and that's how, in the American system where you can't really marginalize a party indefinitely, that's always a possibility. So then with just, with just a few weeks left in the election and then obviously a extended period of aftermath afterwards, but in these, in these next few weeks and acknowledging the fact that apparently we have reached the point where we can barely predict anything anymore, but kind of what are you looking at? to play out over the over you know the next essentially month i'm looking 